This is Imaginator's Way. Each week, we'll delve into the topics that inspire and challenge us. We'll share our latest projects and share the tools and strategies that we use to bring our imaginative creations to life. So whether you're an artist, a single or happily married parent, an entrepreneur, or just looking to make positive changes in your life, join us on Imaginator's Way as we discover the possibilities of the human mind and spirit. We are your hosts, Robin and Brad. I'm Robin, a certified life coach. I'm a mom, I'm an author, and an accidental artist. As an imaginator, I combine my passion for psychology, behavior, and self-improvement with my creative skills and wild imagination as I continue my own journey of self-discovery. And I'm Brad. I'm a strategic communicator and professional brand strategist with a career in marketing and traditional advertising and a talent for creative problem solving and a love for building magical things. We are brother and sister with distinctly unique personalities, perspectives, and skill sets. And when we collaborate, we think it's pretty magical. Welcome to Imaginator's Way, the podcast that explores the intersection of creativity and discovery, building a better life by becoming a better you. Now, as they say, there's a first time for everything, right? So there's a first podcast, and this is it for the Imaginators. So what, uh, what are we going to do here? Well, I think today what, what we'd like to do is just introduce ourselves. Um, why, who are we? Why are we here? Why is it important to us? I think in my case, you know, life is a journey, right? And for me, my most difficult experiences have really been the things that have become amazing and bittersweet because they have really helped me shape into the person I am today. Several years back, I found myself in Overland Park, Kansas with my two young sons. And at that time, I was going through a divorce. This was a new community. I had no support and just found myself really going through the struggle of divorce. And anyone who's been there can certainly relate to whatever that means for them. I've been there. So many people have been there. I often call the process of divorce something like being stripped down to your studs just completely naked and having to completely start over in every possible way. And that was certainly true for me at that time. But the truth is I was scared. I was just truly scared. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. And there were times where I really just felt paralyzed, but certainly most of the time I just felt alone in what what I would call one of my greatest suffering kind of experiences. And in my desperation, I turned to nature, which is a place that historically I have been able to find peace and comfort and able to center in times of distress. And so I found a little trail just off, um, you know, an unassuming golf course off a slightly busy road. And when I stepped off the path deep into the forest, I found something that really felt like it was there waiting for me at that moment in time. And so so how long were you married? I was married for 20 years. Okay, 20 years. So this isn't just a, a short-term relationship that you were finding yourself. This is, an, this is enough time past that uh, you established a relationship with your partner. Uh, you had two, two great kids. Two great kids. Uh, who were how old at the time? They were teenagers. So they were young teenagers. I think my oldest was 14 at the time. So they so were still was 11. They were still in the process of finding their place. Yes. Their cadence in life. 
Yes, and, and here we had uprooted them and put them in yet another community, and that's always a struggle, particularly at the beginning of that emerging adolescent period. So they didn't grow up in Kansas? They didn't, no. Okay. They were what is called the term rootless. We moved frequently, every two years on average, and so they were used to it, but they were entering a time that's really important for them to develop their own relationships and stability and here we were doing the opposite. And that was truly terrifying to me. And how long, how long had you been in Kansas? Months. Okay, so this, is, this was not necessarily uh, a long, long-standing home for them. Mm-hmm. They didn't have necessarily have roots established. Right. This was a new, a new space for them as well as it was for you. Right. Um, and you mentioned uh, that you found this trail. Now, of course I know, but you know, for everybody listening, Explain this trail because when a lot of people think Kansas, they think, oh, this, you know, Kansas is tornadoes and it's, it's barren ground and it's flat and it's, and you say a trail. Well, tell me about it. What's the trail? What, what does that mean? Well, the trail in living in as many places as I have, what I've discovered is there's always something magical no matter where you are. Truly, I believe that if my first impression is, is not impressed Um, And that was the case for me in Kansas. There were no mountains. There were no forests that I could identify. When I stepped off of the street and into this forest, it was lush enough that you couldn't necessarily see the houses. So you felt as though you were really emerged in this natural environment. So it was dense. There there were houses around, so it was a neighborhood area, a community. Yeah, and it was just a paved winding path. You could go as far as as short as a distance as you wanted, but I found this particularly lovely area of this trail that really, really spoke to me. Now, I've been on this trail that you speak of, and a lot of times, especially when I when I envisioned Kansas, or you know, under, what I understood of Kansas uh, before I had been there, was I think is going to be typical of what everybody else thinks if they haven't been there, and that is non-mountainous. I mean, I I think there's dense space everywhere you go and and there's forest and that kind of thing. But but the trail, as you explained it to me in the beginning, was just a trail. When I got there and saw the trail, it was a completely different understanding once I got there. Yeah, and I think that's true for everyone who had the opportunity to have an experience there at that time. They would describe it differently. I know that that is true. My description of it changed over time. The first time I stepped on the trail, I felt as though I was gasping for the breath to survive. That, that is just exactly how I felt. And, and it was hard to even travel. But I just felt these moments of relief while I was there. This, Kansas is a beautiful place. And on that first trail experience where I just really felt like I couldn't breathe and I felt like I was paralyzed. I didn't know how to move forward. I just had this really lovely, magical experience with some fireflies there. And so that's the moment. Those fireflies represented so much more to me than just this glowing little bug. For me, it was, it was this merciful moment that I associated fireflies with hope and wonder And they were just this merciful reminder that there was still hope and there was still wonder, even in this dark moment for me. And that gave me enough to take my next breath. 
And that's the moment the Firefly Forest was born for me. I found myself on that trail multiple times a day, just seeking relief, seeking peace when I just felt uncertain. And you say you're on it multiple times a day. Did you go to this space? Uh, you mentioned this earlier, but did, did you go to this space looking for magic? Or did you were you at this space and did you find magic? No, I didn't go looking for anything. I, I just you were escaping for relief, I guess. I don't, you know, traditionally, that's where I feel peace is in, in any natural environment. And this was the closest to the floor, forest that I could find. This was therapy for you, like self, you're, you're getting away and, and yes, communing with yourself, your nature, your thought, you know, what, whatever the deal is, this was you. But the need had never been greater for me personally. And so once I discovered this peace, this relief, this feeling, of course, I tried to be there as much as possible. My, my youngest son's teacher called me one day and just expressed her concern about something he had said. Uh, they were talking about doing a book report, and he, he said something to the effect of, well, it won't matter anyway. We won't be here that long. And, okay. <laughs> and not only am I failing at everything in my life and not sure how to move forward, I'm failing at the thing that was most important to me, and that was being a mother. And that really set me back. I paid very close attention, and that day I picked him up from school, and I invited him onto this trail with me. And Kansas is very humid. For those of you who have not experienced humidity, it's unpleasant no matter what. It makes everything extra hot or extra cold. It's just unpleasant. And so that first day that we were walking on the trail, he was sweating and he was really, really struggling to walk up the inclines. And so I really just wanted to create an opportunity for us to connect because I knew that he was suffering in a way that he had not yet shared with me, or maybe he just wasn't sure how to articulate. So I said, you know, at the top of this hill, there's a hollow tree. Let's just make it to the hollow tree. And I did. That became like this moment, this benchmark on the trail. And once you, you knew this hollow tree was there already, oh, yeah. right? You, yeah. You'd yeah, passed yeah, by this, this space many times before. And deeply fascinated by it, by the way. Where I had grown up, I had never seen hollow trees. Like to me, these were, I mean, it was a no-brainer. Of course, you'd move in. If you could move in, you would move in. And so this was I, a space you envisioned within this space, something else existed. Obviously. Yes. Okay. Yes. And this, you know, this kind of pulls me back to my childhood imagination that never really left me. Um, I had this wild running imagination that it, that's true. She yeah, did. It is true. I had this wild running imagination. And if I could have had a theme song, I really feel like the Smurfs theme song was playing in my head when I was having all of these little adventures when I was a little kid. I just was very excited about the world. I was very happy to explore it, very curious about everything, and it was very innocent. And I often imagined like building, like building forts out in the fields where I could live, or building a tough shed that could be my home. You know, I was always trying to make homes in every environment. Was that a playful thought? Was that an, a thought of escape? Was that a thought of like, like, you get what I'm saying? It was just natural. Like, I don't ever remember it being intentional. It just was. It was just always a thing. 
And um, I could create this new environment or something different in this in this other space. Yeah, and okay. the common theme was it was always home centric. Like it was always about creating this magical place that I could be and and I could live and was be. was it magical because it was it was different from where you were or was it magical because it had different things in it? Maybe both. I don't know. It was, you know, sometimes it was in a mud cave on the side of an embankment and other times it was in the trees you know it was just everywhere that's just the filter that i saw the world through when i was little and you know popping back into this time with my youngest son you know it just simply became the obvious okay if we can just get to this first tree and once we got there i could encourage him further on the trail because i knew there was another hollow tree and really my goal was just time that's all it was but he is also very imaginative, and we have spent many years and hours reading books like Tales of Despero and the, the Chronicles of Narnia, you know, things that for us... As most of our kids have at some yes. point, we've kind of jumped into that fantasy existence. And yeah, and he and I really shared that. And so as we were walking along these trails, we would create stories. What do you think lives in that tree? How do you think that happened? Do you see the leaves shimmering over there? What do you think is going on over there? And we just developed all of these different narratives. And so one day I said, why don't we put a little red door on that tree and make a door for whoever lives there? And he thought that was great. And so we went home and, and had more time together. We crafted this cute little door out of scrap wood. It was very fast. So, so your intention, after finding this tree, your intention with with your son was to really put a physical feature on this imaginative space and and take it to maybe the next level, or were you just wanting to implement maybe the, or initiate this new? Uh, narrative with your son. Yeah, I was looking for opportunities to spend time together and engage with him in a way that might create a sense of safety for him to talk about some of the things that he was experiencing because we were really at the beginning of this divorce experience. I had no idea what to expect, but I knew it wasn't good. And of all the people who were going to carry scars as a result, I, I really just didn't want it to be my children. And the story that follows this is unbelievable. And we're going to continue talking about it in just a second. This is The Imaginator's Way, Robin and Brad, and we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to Imaginator's Way. I am Brad. I am Robin. Hi. And uh, we're talking about why we're here. And, and why we're here, obviously, we're doing a podcast. We think... We think maybe we have something to say, something to share. The things we do every day we think are super interesting and creative and magical and wonderful and inspiring to us. We think we maybe might be able to inspire you as well along the way. We've been talking about the reason why we came to this point, and that is Robin's story about being in Kansas. Uh, going through a divorce and introducing this amazing concept and space to her sons. So you are at a tree. It's hollow. You've introduced this to your youngest son. And you've now said, let's let's put a door on this tree. Right. So we went home and we built this, this little red door. Um, very simple, you know, out of scrap material. And the next day, 
we devised a plan. To... How, how big was this door? Like, how big was the, the tree, really? The tree was big, but the door itself fit into the hollow, which was about, I don't know, eight inches tall, maybe five inches wide at its widest. Easy to miss? Oh, yes, very. Okay. Yeah. All right, in so fact, this wasn't something that was just in, in everybody's line of sight. This was something that was a little maybe secretive anyway. So this is the moment where I really came to love the phrase, you will find what you're looking for. I love that too. And for us, it, we saw a hollow tree and we wanted it to be more. That was how we engaged with this forest at that time. But what happened afterwards, being present with other people and being able to quietly witness the experience that they, they were having, like, who saw that door? Who didn't see the door? How long did it take them to notice the door? And moments where I was present where they did notice the door were, were really quite delightful for me personally. And that was an unexpected, unintended consequence. You know, we stepped on that trail, my intention trying to create connection and a certain kind of engagement with my young son. I, I certainly got that, but I gained so much more than that. And those, those experiences are the kinds of experiences that really shape me into who I am today, creatively, why I do the things I do today, creatively. And, and you say something all the time, you've said it, we, we really introduce you as, as, we use this phrase to introduce you, and it's perfect. You say you're an accidental artist. Yes. Uh, which is, was so so spot on once anybody gets to know you or once everybody understands kind of the stuff that you produce right so the accidental artist in you who's searching walking along these paths you find this tree and you're now introducing this to, to your son give me a brief timeline you 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 introduce this you find the tree you introduce the tree how quickly uh do, did you go home immediately yeah. and sculpt this door yeah, and it when was it on? hours Okay. Four hours later, we had that door on and, and we snuck onto the trail. What we knew for certain is we wanted to do it secretly. We didn't want anyone to see sure. it. So we had to devise a plan because while it was in a forest, uh, you know, it was pretty public. It was pretty visible. And so we... This is a city walkway. But yeah. was there a... Remind me, was there a, a, a stream, it, a river? I mean, something... It had a stream and a river, but really it was just this beautiful trail system that, that the state of Kansas... Right. Um, ...had developed. Public space. Yeah. Developed space. Yeah. yeah, and it ran through a myriad of kind of uh, environmental experiences, and I loved them all. Right. So the next day, it was this misty really misty gray day and we went together with a backpack and a drill and he was the lookout and I got that thing on there as fast as I possibly could and then we snuck away really feeling like we had gotten away with something I think we also didn't want to get in trouble we weren't sure if we would get in trouble or not but it was because you're facing the tree right right you <laughs> built this you built however, this door in our defense I happen to know that it did not damage the tree I I'm a lover of nature, and so I was not about going and being destructive. Um, this was about accentuating and enhancing in a way that you know we could be proud of. There was an element of our story that came to life that required some anonymity, and 
I loved that. Okay, so so you're trying to be sneaky, but really, how sneaky did you have to be? I mean, what was this well traveled? Did you did you was there a strategy here? Because so, knowing yeah. your son, I think he would participate in that. But we were unbelievably sneaky throughout the course of our experience. That day we came intending to be very sneaky, but I think it was just lucky for us because that rain, that mist, the weather was the thing that really shrouded us. Totally added to that Hollywood vibe, right? Yeah, like you're was, sneaking into the misty forest. Right, and that's what it was. I can still remember <laughs> it very clearly. And we, you know, high-fived each other as, as we were on our way out of the, the forest and we really felt like we'd accomplished something. And so you need a theme song to tell totally. this whole thing. As it could be the Smurfs theme for sure. Um, so we left, and then now we had we had a real purpose. We came back to that trail every day to check on the door. Okay, so the door is installed in this big nostalgic tree that's been there forever that gets passers by in the hundreds a day, maybe or maybe more. And you've been by so many times. Now it's installed. Now you're by to do what? Check on it. You're we, checking on the door. We just wanted to check on whatever creature might be living there. You know, we had created this story that there's some fine little folk who this is their home and now they've moved in. Okay, so so the door is on. Your narrative, your 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 story has begun in your head. Right. Has it started to develop on the trail? Well, it did that day. Um, the first day we came to visit, he opened that door and there was a little bouquet of flowers left inside the, the hollow. Okay, so somebody's now found the door, right? And and did you did you expect some? No, I, I actually didn't. So, uh, so was it a bouquet like they just picked flowers along the way or I, was this something that was prepared they and brought They were tiny in? little weed flowers, very, very small, perfectly scaled for the, the environment. And okay. And then they were tied together with some sort of reed or something, but it was intentional. And when we opened it and saw it, we, I mean, both of us delighted, just absolutely adored that idea. <laughs> and for me, now that this, this is where I was like, my goodness, I felt real joy right then and there. Now my circumstance, again, still at the beginning stages of a really brutal personal experience, but that was the moment where, with my son, I was able to step through some of that, that uh, challenge, you know, the darkness of that challenge, and experience real joy together. Like, that was happening because we created an opportunity for someone else. And now someone else had seen the door, and that is how they responded to it, which I thought was just the sweetest thing ever. And so we would continue to come back every day. and. So this is more than this is more than a distraction for you. This is more more than hey, let me give you something else to think about, son. This is now becoming it's kind of taking on a life, somewhat somewhat of a new life. But um, somebody is somebody else that you don't know, you've not invited, is now engaging with this with this uh, project between you and your son. This is where the story actually comes to life and intertwines with the story of other people who are on the trail. And this is, this is the moment that I saw we are here together. Like we are here together, whether we know it or not, we are here together. Gosh, that, that just felt so good in the moment. Plus we were delighted at the idea that we had delighted someone else. Like that felt great totally. too. 
So when did your mindset change? Or did your mindset, did you, did you anticipate or hope that this kind, of, this kind of response would be there? Or once you saw the response, did you change your focus and your direction with the idea? Well, once we saw such a consistent level of engagement from others. So there was more then? Oh, there was so much more. And it, I mean, the truth is I just got hooked. Like some people might think I was doing it for someone else. In the beginning, I absolutely was not. I needed, I needed to feel joy. I needed to feel hope at that time. And I needed to have positive moments with my son because I knew there were going to be struggles um, that I could not shield him from. And so it was just, it was for me. It really was for me. And once I saw the kinds, the different ways that people were interacting with this, I kind of couldn't help myself. That's when my wild imagination took over. And I was personally delighted in a, in a time where I needed that. I needed to feel good. And so, we just naturally expanded. We expanded down the trail. Okay, that's a perfect place to take a break and say uh, we are the Imaginators and we're talking about the really kind of the origin of what this podcast is about and what we do every day. And we're going to talk more about where you went from here after this. Okay, welcome back. We're Imaginators Way. We're talking to Robin. I'm Brad. Um, we are the Imaginators people who really don't know uh, too much about everything, but something about something. <laughs> it might be interesting to you. We hope it is. Um, okay, so we're talking about Robin's, Robin's experience on the trail in Kansas City, it, in the middle of divorce, in the middle of, of thoughts of trying to save your children from, from the pending catastrophe is a great word it seems dramatic but it's not anybody who's gone through divorce and um, a difficult divorce knows that is a very good word you found yourself on a trail this is cathartic to you this is something that you're looking for you're the experience you're looking for but not but an unexpected response right, right? so right. We're, so now you've got a you've got a door on a tree on a on a trail in a forest and people are responding. Yes. And so um, further down the trail, there were more hollow trees and I thought, well, that's just perfect. It just felt like an invitation. And so I added another door and then I added another door. And we did this together. Um, we talked about each door, like each tree that was worthy of a door. And further down from the red door, there was what became this glade. We called it the glade. And it was just beyond the darkest part of the forest. So in our story, we had to move through the darkest part of the forest and step into this beautiful glade. And in the glade on the afternoons, the way the light would pierce through those trees was so heavenly, truly. Um, it, it became my favorite place in the forest. And so we had one hollow tree, that was where the purple door went. And then we had another tree across the way and that became the little outdoor. And once we had filled the hollows with doors, we started to add like freestanding homes out of hollow tree trunks. When you say fill the hollows with doors, how many doors were, were um, installed uh, at total? the height of this, yeah? 
I think in trees themselves, there were, um, there were five. What was this, was it within how, within how, how much space? Within a mile, within 500 feet? I mean, oh, that, I mean give us an idea. Yeah, probably within half a mile. You know, starting from the red door down to the yellow door. Was that there was one obvious door that might inspire the search for other doors? I guess that's a matter of opinion. I think what happened was, is once people started to recognize them on their own, once they discovered a door, then it's like their eyes opened and their perspective enlarged. And when they were there, suddenly now they're having a totally different experience. Once they began to look, they saw all sorts of things that they didn't expect. And that was so fun because I, like I said, I was on the trail multiple times a day for, just for my own mental well-being. And I gotta tell you, walking behind a group of people who was discovering a door for the first time, or even a single person discovering the door for the first time and watching how they interacted with it was eye-opening. It was, sometimes it was funny and sometimes it was connective, you know? So you, you're acting like a bystander, enjoying Absolutely. the experience with them, yes, but also kind of taking mental notes on how they're responding and what kind of joy they're they're also you're sharing you're sharing their experience, but also yes, building on your own. Because all of these organic things were happening, you know. What happened is people were bringing gifts to the trees, you know, like these. Um, they're bringing um, gifts to yeah, the trees. All okay. sorts of gifts. Um, and then those gifts, you know, sometimes they were golf balls and sometimes they were bouquets, you know, but then they turned into little like um, totems and just treasures or seashells. You know, it was just interesting. Everybody brought something. They were personal effects, essentially. Absolutely. And and I thought that that was fascinating. And items. They were, they were things. Whatever it was, it was important enough to them mm-hmm. that they felt like it would be an addition to that particular place. And I loved that so much. So you gave them a door, basically. You opened this this door to to their imagination. Yes. Right. Yes. Which is which is really, by the way, part. This is the part that I love so much about this. Me too. Is the door right? It's representative, but it's I, it's what's behind the door, right? I mean, what what right. what you think is behind this door? It wasn't at all what I thought was behind the door. Right. And I've had significant interaction with this concept and everything, but but tell us what other people were starting to do with these doors. Well, I think one of the most significant, so I the things I started populating the trees with were to entertain those who were visiting. And, and you're, seeing, you're seeing an increase in visitors, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh yes. But you know, one day I built a little table and chair set to go into the purple, the purple door. Um, and then I put tea, like little teacups, a little tea set on there. Okay. And another time I put dry ice in there so it would be smoking out of the teapot. And people just... Because dry ice that. and smoking and movement and, <laughs> and it's now live. It's live. It made people wonder. And I love that idea of wonder. Like beyond what we can see, there's plenty. And we're not limited by, we're only limited by ourselves. And so as I started to engage with them, I started to receive notes at the trees. This is the best part. 
And in fact, so many notes were coming in that I started putting up mailboxes for the notes. <laughs> and every day I would check the mailboxes. Please leave mail here. And I would, I would very carefully, like very quickly, like take whatever was in there, clean it out and put it in my backpack. But um, people, that seemed to be a thing that was very important. And so I put out cards so people could write a note and put out, you know. Do you remember the first note? Yes. It was, it was small and it was on the piece, like a torn piece of gum or, or whatever. Somebody had rubber. something with them and they were... Yeah, and it was to a fairy. Like, it was a very sweet, magical question to a fairy. And I thought that was funny. It is. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Um, there's a tiny little door across from the purple door, and it was just, you know, four inches maybe tall, max, maybe probably three. And it was just this tiny little yellow door. And on the, on the inside of it, I wrote, Dream Big. <laughs> And, in a um, sharpie. In a sharpie. Yep. Because I don't know. That's always meant something to me. Dream big. Why not? If you're gonna dream, dream big. And so one day, the, I, ironically, coming from a little a little hole in smallest, a big tree, right? The dream smallest, big, right? The smallest door. And I opened it one day, and someone had put this little um, mouse figurine. So it would, I mean, I just laughed, and of course, I left it there because I thought sure. it was great. The next day I came back, there was a tiny little uh, letter. Tiny little letter um, around the mouse or is no, it? Nope, it was a tiny little folded letter and it was delivered to the mouse. And on it, it said, you're as big as you think you are. From somebody else. <laughs> From somebody else. <laughs> and I just love that. Like that is not necessarily what I would have thought to put there, mm -hmm. but it is what they thought to put there. Sure. And it was delightful. So. So you, you noticed the first letter, and uh, what was written on it? The first letter was folded. It was a small, tiny wrapper, and it was folded like a miniature envelope. And they'd taken, oh, okay. yeah, they'd taken a <laughs> marker and put, a, put postage on it on the outside, and when you unfolded it, it was this sweet little statement to a fairy, and I loved it. I just thought that was so funny. I called my mom, and I told her, you know, and... Again, for you this, called your mother. Yes, I called my mother. I wanted to share it with somebody because it had just it lifted me. Again, here in this really dark place in my life, right. this was providing very consistent, uplifting, and hopeful and funny experiences for me personally. Was this was this first note? Was this prepared on the trail, or was this was this brought back? Well, I don't know for sure, but it certainly seemed... But it was prepared. It was... Yeah. It, some thought had been put into it, and they... Yes. Okay, all right. <laughs> yes, I loved it. And so what happened was, is there was just an expansion of this this magical little creativity and community, and, and I just... My imagination just aligned with the idea that I could facilitate more. And so people would bring something like the little note, and then I would add something that was a direct response to the note. So it was a way for me to be a part of what was actually happening organically. And I got to contribute in a way that created delight. And I just was hooked. I just was hooked. And so my, my creative mind, that wild imagination, now was running 
all the time. It was such a beautiful distraction. But it also, you know, I was broke. I didn't have money to be doing any of this. Right. And so I had to be really creative in the materials I was using and my intention for what was happening. And it was really beautiful because, you know, this isn't a big deal to anybody who's not really going through something. But at the time, you know, if I, I wanted to put on, I was creating a little environment that needed a little drum. Like I wanted it to be a real and working drum. And so I just kind of thought <laughs> I need a little drum, but I knew I didn't have any money for it. I was at a junk store and I found this amazing little drum. It was real, it was perfectly scaled. It was 10 cents. And to me, that really felt like the universe was saying, hey, I hear you. This isn't a big deal, but it's a deal. And it's a big deal to you. Therefore, I'm going to help you find what you need. And I did. And it did. This, and is, it this is the definition of another one man's junk is another man's treasure, right? That's oh why. Gosh. That's, yeah. that's why looking around for things that people discard and how you can kind of repurpose and reuse and and. Uh, you know, add your own magic. This is something I love about you is your ability to say, uh, yeah, I know what that is, but let me tell you what it's going to be. Right. I see the value in the broken. And that really was born in me. Then this experience was the thing that trans. So I am a self caught. I'm sorry, a self taught carpenter. I taught myself how to build things and I wanted to build furniture. So I did. And I wanted to build playhouses. And so I did. So I knew how to build um, but when you're building, you really need to be precise and exact if you want your, your finished product to stand up properly. You know, um, It was here in the forest that I began to look outside normal building materials and see potential. Like instead of what's wrong, what isn't wrong? What is working? What does bring some sort of magical element? And honestly, that's really a metaphor for you know, at the time, me, still today, like, there's a lot broken, but there's a lot that's working. And I love that idea. So I stepped into that. I embraced the idea of things being intentionally imperfect. And intentionally imperfect is something that exists in every one of our lives, whether we, we label it as intentionally perfect or we blame, you know, something about it on, you know, why we're struggling or it's what you're, what you're creating out of this Thing. Right. And, and for me, I chose to allow those imperfections to be of great value. And, you know, that is the result of literally cheap materials doing something magical in an in a unassuming forest in Overland Park, Kansas. But that was my paradigm shift. Among many other kind of concepts in my own life, this is the one where instead of seeing difficult experiences, scars that, that cover our bodies, fill our hearts, you know, the, the result of really difficult experiences being the thing that defines me moving forward, I was going to choose at that time to see the value in what existed today, what is working, not what's broken, and be grateful for the things that have shaped me even the most difficult things. And, and that is a, that's kind of just an idea that still shapes me today. I mean, really everything I do is with that in mind. I look for the value first in the product, in the person, in the experience. I see value first, but it wasn't always that way. It just is now as a result of being broken. So we are 
Robin and Brad, we are the Imaginators. This is the first episode of our podcast that we feel will have content that is going to bring joy. It's going to bring motivation. Uh, We think it's going to inspire. Some of the things that we do daily uh, are things that we did this morning. And some of the things that we're going to talk about are things that have happened in the past. But all of these experiences and all the things we're going to share with you, uh, whether it be uh, my experience, uh, experiences individually, struggles, uh, successes, Robin's uh, story, uh, uh, inspiration behind that story, we're going to share these things with you that um, really we hope are going to help you uh, be a better you today. And uh, hopefully uh, with some of these tools and experiences will help you uh, bridge some of these gaps that you had, some of these struggles uh, that you're going through. And each time we share some of these experiences, we are going to get back to what we're doing to make it better, to put value on something that may be seen as not so valuable. So this is episode number one. Episode number two, Robin, I'd like to talk about what happened in the forest after you start to discover people are respond to this amazing idea in the forest. And for the next episode, do you come up with a name? I don't want to hear it now. But do you develop interaction with the people that are along the trail? And what we're going to talk about is how what you've done in the forest has not only inspired you, inspired the community, right? And we'll talk about their response, but there's something even bigger that kind of documents this whole uh, experience in the forest. So next time we'll talk about that on The Imaginator's Way. (laughs) Great. Thanks for joining us. I'm Robin. And I'm Brad. Working together to change the world one heart at a time. See you next week.